All right. Good morning. Good evening. Um, or good afternoon, wherever you are joining us. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you uh, for being part of this community and uh, for listening or for watching or for reading uh, our yeah. newsletters, podcasts. Uh, it is re really a true pleasure for us to bring this series that we start today. Thank you so much, Myrna Lee for being here, for accepting, and then for being the first one uh, <laughs> on talking on these two months of interviews with brilliant and very successful women that work in STEAM and, and to show uh, everyone there out there that we also can do it and then we do it really well. And, um, and yeah, anything in between. So, let me, um, without any further ado, introduce um, Mirna Lee. So Dr. Mirna Lee Sanz de Miera is a research engineer and scientist whose experience includes materials performance, degradation, and protection in a wide range of industries, such as the oil and gas, aerospace, nuclear, automotive, and marine. She is currently working as a public servant for national Natural Resources Canada, assisting the Canadian Coast Guard for material selection, failure investigation, and corrosion awareness in its mitigation. Dr. Sainz de Miera earned her PhD in corrosion and protection from the University of Manchester, England, and her materials engineering with mention in metallurgy at the Universidad Simón Bolívar in Venezuela. As an advocate in the fields of materials and corrosion, Mirna Lee participates as one of the executive directors for the ASME Ontario chapter, ASME Materials Camp, Teachers and NACE Foundation of Canada. Thank you so, so much for being here. Hope you're doing pleasure. super great today. Thank you, it's my pleasure to be here um, to talk a little bit more about women in um, science and how what we do as a research engineers in uh, in natural resources Canada. Excellent. Perfect. So let's let's start with the question. The first one that we have here is tell us how did you end up in a STEAM and uh, research and development careers? Well that comes from a very young age being curious. Uh, I was always curious in of how things work and how things are made of, uh, you know, since when you're a child, baby textures and things that were very fascinating for me. I used to always build sand castles and play with mud and then build things with wood. Uh, um, and so I, I always was curious. I love to do experiments uh, uh, when I was a child as well. Uh, I think my first experiment was to mix the vinegar with bicarbonate. And I was like, oh my God, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> um, so I was really curious. And then also I, I liked uh, when I was already in high school, I was kind of good at mathematics and I loved the science. Uh, biology, chemistry, physics, and so uh, for me it was kind of natural to just choose engineering. 
when I started the first year of engineering, then it was a little bit more difficult for me to choose which engineering to 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 do. Uh, I I loved them all, and and I remember every month I would change. Uh, which engineer I was going to do. I remember being in the beach in Venezuela in my mobile phone, everything got wet with seawater and, and I'm like opening everything to wash it and, and looking at the, the the electronic board. And I'm like, wow, yes, maybe I could be an electronic engineer and, and so on. And then, then one day I was talking with a friend. Actually, I didn't know I was the casting laboratory uh, professor. I didn't know. And she's like, I was like, oh, I don't know which engineering. And she's like, well, what about materials engineering? And I'm like, yeah, why not? Yes, everything that surrounds us is materials. I'm like, wow, yes, it's true. <laughs> and I didn't know. Then I, I was hooked with materials engineering. and. Um, that's how I end up in materials engineering. And then metallurgy, uh, because uh, uh, like I was saying before, uh, in Venezuela, we have several options. You can be a materials engineering with a minor in metallurgy, and a minor in ceramic, polymer, and metal mechanic. And I choose metallurgy because I was fascinated uh, when we did a visit to the Cedar, one of the steel making uh, industry back in Venezuela, and also Alcasa, uh, the aluminium uh, producer in Venezuela. Uh, that I don't know. I don't know what was it, but uh, I love the. Um, I, I don't know how you call it the big um, ladder where where you mix the metals and then you pour it and you do your uh, your beams and your slabs that was fascinating for me and 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 r and d is just that it's just that that curiosity that I always have in me how can we improve things uh, can we create uh, new materials um then yeah I'm still in there um yeah, that's how I end up. It's just all about being curious about materials, loving a science and how things work. It's such an, an inspiring and then you, the words come out of your mouth and you sound so passionate about it. It's really, really nice. Thank you. Yeah, it, it's something that uh, even when I was doing PhD, and and uh, as a postdoc, I will always tell the outreach uh, group team, like, can I go? Can I go and, and go to the high schools and show them why we are so important? Mm -hmm. And uh, it was always uh, nice to see those big guys like, wow, like showing them the different metals and which mm -hmm. is lighter, which is not, and um, about the degradation, the production, extraction of metals, and it is, is, it's been a passion for me. And now that I'm part of the Board of Directors for the ASM uh, Teaching Teachers Camp, that's also fascinating to give the tools to teachers mm -hmm. to how they are going to teach uh, materials, science and engineering, and science in general. So yeah, 
That is really, really awesome. Um, later on, perhaps you can share with me the links where some, uh, maybe some teachers want to find out more about it, and then we yes. can share them. Yes, we can I share them you. in in the video below and um, and the links and. Uh, yes, excellent. Super, awesome, perfect. So tell me, what does a materials research engineer working <laughs> at CAM Materials day to day look like? Like, what is your day to day look like? Okay, before I start what I do the day to day, I, I want to first talk about, because there is a lot in LinkedIn, there is a lot of people that contact me uh, inquiring about NRC. And I just want, before talking about researching in NRCAN, I want to see that, I want to tell a little bit about the difference between NRCAN and NRC. Now, I work for Natural Resources Canada. Uh, NRCAN is the Department of the Government of Canada that is responsible for natural resources, energy, minerals and metals, and, and also forest, earth, sciences, mapping, so on. Now, NRC stands for National Research, uh, Research, sorry, National Research Council. And this is an agency of the Government of Canada. And they are dedicated to science and R&D. Um, actually, it's, it's one of the largest federal research and development organization. Now, in Natural Resources Canada, we also have uh, uh, several research centers. We've got the CanMet uh, Explosive. We have two CanMet Energy Labs, one in Ottawa, one in Alberta. We've got the Forestry uh, Research Center. And then we have CAMET materials. And CAMET materials, we are here in Hamilton, Ontario. Uh, we are the largest research center dedicated to fabricating, processing, and evaluating materials, and especially metals. Um, and of course, we do this research and development, uh, and we find solutions for the Canadian industry in for, for the energy, transportation and metal manufacturing. Uh, now, as a, as a research engineer in current materials, it really depends on what, what you are hired for. Okay, so uh, we have a research engineer, for example, uh, that designs cells and experimental procedures in EE. He does the analysis for um, corrosion uh, encounter uh, in the nuclear waste. So we, we have a, a consortium of several countries uh, and Canada, and we are uh, one of the participating labs to find solutions to the nuclear waste. And so the research in this case, design the cells and build them and do the analysis. Uh, we also have research engineers that uh, they design, procure and oversee the constructions of one-of-a-kind equipment for our own research projects. Um, and then, of course, they oversee all the mechanical and material testing. Mechanical and material testing, yeah. Um, there are also research engineers that we've got that develop softwares 
because we've got certain equipment that give us a data, but we can, it's not very useful data. So, um, it, like for example, we've got a lazy profilometer and we have a differences in topography. Uh, but we want that data to correlate the, with different corrosion rates of the different areas. So we've got this research engineer that has created a, a, a software to do this um, equivalent uh, uh, data, uh, correlation of the data. Now, I am a research engineer uh, that I, I, I was hired because uh, kind of materials, and from now I'm going to call it CMAT, is quicker. CMAT have a memorandum of understanding with the Canadian Coast Guard. So the Canadian Coast Guard have access uh, in a timely manner, kind of quick like now, uh, access to experts in corrosion. Uh, we've got, we've got uh, um, access to corrosion scientists, uh, the analytical uh, equipment like SEM, TEM, uh, services such as the welding, the fabrication and the casting, but they didn't have a materials engineer. And that's where I come, come along. They needed a, 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 a materials engineer because they needed to, so with the corrosion scientists, they could see what happened uh, with uh, that interface between the harsh environment and the metal. But they needed someone also with the knowledge of the metal itself and how it interacts that surface with the harsh environment. And that's where I come along and that's how we complement each other, the corrosion scientists with the materials. And so as a research engineer, I assist the Canadian Coast Guard uh, with the material selection. Uh, with any failure investigation that they have, sometimes they have problems of, of general corrosion or they have problems with uh, crevice corrosion, peating, things that that we as a corrosionist we know but they might mm -hmm. not necessarily know and where to look for these problems um, and so we we teach them. So I actually prepare a course to teach them about the basics of corrosion and its mitigation. Uh, we, I have also collaborated to, to add uh, standards and procedures in there in, in some of the documents for them to, for them to be, uh, to, to, to guide themselves when they are doing uh, repairs, vessel extension, life extensions. Um, and we are also, I'm also conducting a research about, in this moment, we are doing actually two research. One is finishing, is about the implementation of laser ablation as a substitute to surface preparation, that uh, mechanical uh, abrasion uh, to prepare this, uh, the, the surfaces before prior to painting. Mm -hmm. So, and I'm also uh, conducting the research about optimizing development, uh, corrosion performance of the existing and future icebreakers. So they have a lot of problem with welding, especially in that area where the, the eyes abraid uh, the paint and so they have terrible corrosion. So yeah, so that's what we do. So every day I, I, I might have an email 
saying, oh, we've got a problem, we've got this pipe that is leaking. And so I asked them, they sent pictures and we can solve the problem there and then. Sometimes they, oh, we've got um, a tank that is corroding terribly, what happened? So I tell them to gather some samples, send it to me. We send it to the lab uh, and, and we, we do the SCM, EDX, these techniques to give them, well, this is what's going on. And now this is uh, our recommendation. Uh, like I said, this research is more long term. So I will, you know, I oversee all these uh, experiments, the immersion testing, uh, the characterization of the material. Um, and then once or twice per month, I teach the two day course of, of corrosion to to all the chief engineers, managers in the Canadian Coast Guard, just to raise uh, the level of awareness and, and empower them to when mm -hmm. they commission the, the, the vessels, the ships, and when they send it to repair in the shipyard, they are more aware of oh, catch mistakes, you know, everybody makes mistakes, so, but it's mm -hmm. good to empower them to catch these small mistakes and say, oh, no, let's use this gasket is better for isolating the similar material, for example, mm -hmm. instead of that gasket. So, yeah. It's That's very interesting. It's, <laughs> a, it's a cultural, um, it's a cultural change, actually, when you start doing those uh, awareness trainings and then involving other people that is not only the technical people and it, it is, it, it does really make a difference. So I'm very glad to hear. Yes. Excellent. Well, thank you so much. OK, so the next question is from all of the projects. All of them, research and development or others that you have worked with, is there one that you have a special remembrance about and why? Well, every research project, it's uh, it's been fun, so I, I, I don't like to I don't have favorites, you will say. I don't have favorites. It's like <laughs> materials. <laughs> Talking about materials, I've got friends that they are materials in the air, they love steel. I'm like, but well, what about aluminium? <laughs> what about copper and nickel? Oh, steel. Anyway, I don't I don't like to single out anyone. Uh, the one that impressed me the most, uh, it was um, the nuclear. Uh, I was a postdoc in Manchester University for a project about developing um, or designing a new modular reactor based on the AGR's uh, advanced gas cool reactors in England. And I was excited we were going to do experimental thermal oxidation, radiolytic, that was the first one, like, whoa, what is that? Radiolytic oxidation of nuclear graphite was fascinating. And so here I am designing the, the, the experimental setup to get my samples. And I was excited that we were going to uh, Amsterdam, um, TU Delft to the material test reactors. And I was going to put my capsules with the CO2 and the nuclear graphite. I was going to the, and then they told me, okay, come back in one year. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yes, to have your first point in your graph. I'm like, oh my God. I mean, I was used to, uh, doing research in the oil industry back in Venezuela, where every day I would have my data. Mm -hmm. 
I will have a graph in one day. I will know my material uh, performance. Then in the when I did my PhD, uh, it was surface treatments. I would do my surface treatment, anodizing, etching, everything, and then it will take a little bit while because I will need to do the cross sections and see my oxides and see what what was going on. But within a week, I could have results. And when I came to the nuclear, I'm like, oh, I need to wait for a year and then characterize my material for one set of uh, uh, conditions. I'm like, this is, and that's why in nuclear they do a lot of also simulations. But it, that was very shocking for me. Then, well, I needed to, to leave England and, and move to Canada. So, uh, they are still there trying to design the small modular reactor. <laughs> no base on the AGRs. <laughs> right, I bet the probe is still there. <laughs> but I, I, I do like every single, I, I really don't have, uh, um, I mean that one because you need a lot of patience to have data and enough data to publish something. But in all of them, I've learned so much uh, and the, the latest was one with the Canadian Coast Guard. It was a, a beautiful problem because it was like uh, ESR to here, but so, I mean, anyway, it was the, I needed to have the full uh, system diagram, technical diagram, because they have a cavitation problem. But uh, the problem was because there were corrosion upstream and downstream and then it was a, a beautiful failure investigation to do, and I learned a lot about pumps and procuring the right pump. But anyway, yeah, I think I will vote for the nuclear. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you so much. So now that we have spoken about uh, and understood a little bit better how is this whole kind of different departments within the Canadian government. And it is really, I, I want to pick your brain on this one. Why do you think it is important to have government entities supporting research and development projects, especially the ones related to materials? Well, we, the government needs to support the R&D and is doing it. Uh, in all our labs, we are, um, supporting R&D and, and like our mandate in Canada, in Canada materials, our ma uh, mandate is, is really driven by the needs of our society, but with respect, uh, natural resources and energy. Uh, like, and one of our drivers is for clean energy. And uh, for example, we are researching on new materials for batteries and supercapacitors for electrical vehicles because we want to reduce our CO2 uh, to net zero by 2050. We are also uh, focused on, on developing hydrogen coating standards and we are testing coatings and things. Uh, we are collaborating with the industry that are also developing uh, coatings to retrofit our existing infrastructure um, to to, to not uh, spend millions of dollars to build an infrastructure to, I'm sorry, I've got 
uh, everybody I've got here my 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 baby is a Connor. So if, if you see something going, that's that's my bird. <laughs> anyway, um, so we don't want to spend uh, and use uh, money to build another infrastructure to uh, uh, transmit hydrogen in pipeline. Use hydrogen. Uh, so we are testing. Uh, coatings that are going to be able to to be applied in our already existing pipelines to be able to transport the hydrogen. But also, we are testing our the existing materials to be able to 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 predict if hydrogen will damage our infrastructure. So yes, um, the government is actively helping the industry. Helping the uh, the universities um, to also keep pace with technological advances in other countries. Um, for example, the government has been uh, have awarded a grant to Arsenal Metal de Fasco uh, to replace the coal-fed coke ovens, blast furnaces uh, with uh, with really with with new low emission technology. But of course, we are as a government lab. We are also training high uh, qualified personnel to work in this industry as well. Mm. So we also collaborating with universities to bring students to our lab and teach them uh, and allow them to use our uh, equipment and to produce uh, highly standard results to be used uh, uh, and advancing technology technology. So mm-hmm. uh, it's very important. Uh, Canada does, uh, the government of Canada does uh, support all these advances and, and we have seen it with all the grants given to to universities, to industry and to us in the labs, with the government labs. So that's, that is so encouraging to hear and it's good. Um, Definitely, the the gap needs to be bridged between institutions and industry oh, yeah. and government and regulators and uh, students and everyone. So the more that there is awareness, um, you know, the 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 better equipped will have uh, or will be to take decisions. Oh yeah, and I, I, sorry, sorry to 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 interrupt. It's, it, we we have. Uh, uh, arrangements with universities where we bring in students and they do courses with us uh, uh, about heat treatments and uh, how to deal with materials, how to process them, and you know to to better their 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 education. And mm-hmm. sometimes just being there, looking at how things work, is so enriching for them. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I've seen uh, how we collaborate with universities, uh, industry. At the moment, we are all um, writing proposals to to work with the industry and, and try to collaborate and find solutions to all these uh, uh, problems with the energy, the CO2, um, and hydrogen and electrical vehicles. Excellent. It's really nice. That, yeah, that's that's really cool. Perfect. So, um, 
along your career, have you had any mentors or guides or who's helped you along the way? Is there someone that perhaps you remember that uh, had said something at some point and you were like, oh, yeah, or? Yeah, I I think along my career, like when I was uh, on the grad um, and I was doing my, my work for the for the oil, gas, and industry, I was in in a, in a, in a government-funded laboratory as well. That's why I like that I'm here as well because it just feels great to help the community and society. So I was uh, in Venezuela. I was in the government-funded laboratory, and it was nice to have uh, my both supervisor, the industrial supervisor, and my university supervisor to to help. To, to to teach me um, and and um, and I remember uh, he when I went to do my PhD I needed a letter of recommendation and the professor at Manchester University was impressed by how beautiful that letter from my uh, university supervisor talk about me. So that that was really nice. I I felt very supportive, but of course, I left the country. So, you know, you we kind of kept in touch, but not, you know. Then it's like I went to another world, and then mm-hmm. there and then I I found uh, my mentor. That was my supervisor, one of my supervisors for my PhD, and again I felt so supportive because. It was not only to do the work, but is 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 to open my mind and understand the bigger picture. Because I I, I tend to be very in detail and like mm-hmm. I lose the, the the bigger picture. Um, and then of course, uh, during during my PhD, I I found my other half, my partner, and we are in the same field. And I think. Um, he has been there supporting me all along. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes when even I, I doubt about myself because, the, you know, it has been difficult to, to be in a field that, that is the majority is kind of men. Mm-hmm. He's been there supporting all along and, and, and knowing that I can do it, you know. So I, I would say that he is kind of my mentor. Um, and we talk about the same language. <laughs> so having another person that is, is not my partner as a mentor throughout, it, I haven't been so lucky. I've known people that they started with the undergrad and, you know, all their lives, even mm-hmm. in businesses, you know, like, oh, you know, not only in the knowledge in the in the field, but also like in in other aspects in life. Um, so, yeah, I think mm-hmm. I have like a small mentor for everything. And then my biggest mentor is my, my, my partner, my husband. Mm, that's so beautiful. It's a, it's a really nice story. 
We complement each other, yes. <laughs> That's beautiful. Congratulations. <laughs> Perfect. Um, so that brings me to the 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 question that nobody likes. What will you say to the younger version of yourself 15 years ago? What will you say to, to, to me? Yeah, 15, 15 years ago. Let me see, 15 years old when I was, how old was I? <laughs> <laughs> I think, I would, I, I think I would tell to Lee 15 years ago, breathe, breathe, everything will be fine. Don't get stressed. Don't, don't, it's not worth it. Um, don't give up. I, I mean, I never give up. That's why I am where I am. Uh, but I think I could have saved more gray hair if, if I trust more in myself. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> I mean, uh, I think I worried too much. I think uh, um, I would say keep doing, keep doing what you're doing. This is it. This is what you love, and this is because uh, there was always doubts, like, oh, what am I doing? Um, mm -hmm. But like I said, since a small age, I loved uh, science and and research and materials and. 15 years ago, it was, I think, the time where I wanted to have uh, a family and it meant a lot of, of sacrifices, yeah? Um, and I, I, I would tell myself, just don't worry, just do what you have to do. Uh, everything will be fine. Uh, mm -hmm. Those tears and those worriness, Just, just don't, don't, don't waste those tears. You, if you breathe and you are confident that every everything will find, it will, it will, everything comes at the right time, at the right place. Don't rush. Just, just do the best of yourself, and everything will be fine. That's I would just call myself a little bit more. Fifteen years ago, now I'm like very relaxed. Um, because otherwise I, I won't last uh, <laughs> until 60 years, <laughs> too much. Yeah, breathing is really important. And, and yeah. it's it, it's interesting because I also learned the lesson uh, very old in my life that breathing is such a, a, a precious yeah. gift that we don't use so often. <laughs> yeah, do, do yoga, do more breathing exercises, mm -hmm. meditate. Just calm your mind. Mm -hmm. Don't let the noise distract you. That's a, that's a really good message. You touch along the lines of starting a family and then being that moment that was a little bit uh, difficult and decisions. And how was that for you? Well, so I'm like, okay, the, the, the clock is ticky. Yeah, I mean. I'm, you know, I'm 30, I want a family, I really want a family. And so I decided, okay, let's just try for a family. And, and that's the thing now, I, I needed to interrupt my career to have my, my, 
my my kids. And, and the problem was that at the time that I was able to start my family, we were moving to Canada. So we were not only changing country, but I was pregnant. So I came to this con- country already pregnant, which meant that I couldn't find any job uh, mm-hmm. or apply for any job. And um, and it was difficult because then I didn't want to have only one. I didn't want my only one to be alone in, in this world. So I wanted the second one. And that was a, a kind of a long process. Uh, and I was very happy. I mean, and there were a lot of factors like daycare here is really expensive. And I didn't want my kid to grow up with someone that was not the mother. As a researcher and curious person, I was finding what was the best for the baby. Uh, and I, I was lucky. Not everybody has the, the, the luck to stay at home because of financial situation. We were okay. So I could stay at home and look after uh, my two kids. Of course, when my youngest, my second one, was uh, uh, turning five years old, she was going to to JK. I'm like, okay, I I do need to do something with my life. I need my brain to work again. I like, I need the science. I need knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, because I already had a lot of knowledge about babies. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. <laughs> and, you know, I was already a psychologist, driver, you name it, cooker, anyway, housekeeper. I'm like, I, I you know, that call was like, I, I need, I need this for me because they will grow and then, you know, let you. What about uh-huh. you? What about you as a, as a professional? And so it took a while. It took a long time because, of course, everybody see your resume and you have a seven-year gap. Uh, and I remember my mom like, "Oh my God, I, you know, I wanted to go back and I couldn't, never, never." And I was, I was so stressed because I'm like, no one is calling me for interviews. I, I don't have the Canadian uh, Canadian experience that they always ask. Uh, I actually did a little some so I volunteer at the school with my kids when they started school about science simple machines it was really fun to have these kids to do stuff with Lego and then I also did some mad science you know I went to school again to show about science but it was not what I wanted I wanted research I wanted to do what I was doing before having kids um and nothing and nothing. I was just like, oh my God. Um, and I remember that I was so desperate that I, I remember sending an email to one of the professors at McMaster University. I'm like, and I pour my heart into that email. And I said, all my life, uh, I told all my life, like, you know, as a researcher, I found uh, the you know, the kids need their mother and, but now I'm ready to go back and, and this is my experience. And I, I, I kind of gave my resume in that email. And he was really kind. He, he called me back like I went the day after 
and I told him all my experience, all the research that I, I, I did until, you know, until one year after my PhD. So I did my PhD, then I did a year of postdoc with a with a nuclear. And uh, he was very interested, and I was lucky because at that time there was another professor that needed someone uh, to do some research for the industry. And so I started as a part-time. So part-time, uh, and of course they, start to, uh, they started to see how I worked. And then they, 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 they offered me to be full-time. So that was for me, it was like, oh, it was so good because uh, I think I, I, I managed to, I, I show them that I, I was worth it and I could do my job, even though I had a, a big gap. Um, so I was very grateful for those two years as a postdoc. I put my hands into as many projects as I could, and I learned so much. Um, and I'm, I'm very, I need to have several tasks because mm -hmm. my way to, to, to relax from one task is to go to another one. <laughs> <laughs> and the multitasking, I love that. I think I blame that on my, when I did my undergrad, the system was to be on top of things all the time. And yeah, I was lucky. I started as a, as a postdoc doing research for the industry for two years in my master's university. And then this opportunity came along to work across the road uh, because actually physically I was working in this building of McMaster University and the, the content laboratories are across the road. Wow. So I apply and uh, and here I am uh, being a materials engineer for the Connecticut Coast Guard. Sometimes I do help other projects, but I'm the main, uh, not the project leader, but I am managing the MOU. That's so that's so so inspiring, and that uh, that actually ties into the next the next uh, question, which is: Do you have any message for the audience, for the younger generation, if they want to start a career in? Uh, and I will just add in there: If like, what is that courage, and uh, that why don't like, what is that ke that kept you with your north? and then that you always wanted you knew where to go and then you I, i'm hearing you and then everything that i hear is just so much perseverance and yes. resilience and so what is this message like for the younger uh, generations for the younger generations oh oh yeah oh, anyone really is you have to Work hard for yourself. You have to feel that you are doing your best. You have to do your best. Uh, doing your best not necessarily will take you where you want there and then. Uh, but certainly will help you to get eventually where you want. Um, I always said that in life you have a, a toolbox. Try to fill that toolbox toolbox with as much things you can. I mean, 
uh, like in my case, I, I, I born in Venezuela. In my toolbox, I wanted to have English language. I wanted to have, um, I did a lot of um, so, uh, social interaction. Like I, I, I was an event coordinator. I, I, I had the ability to, to deal with uh, people. Um, yeah, if you have uh, if you have the opportunity to work in retail, I did that during my PhD. Do it because that's a, a very important skill mm -hmm. to be able to to talk to all levels of 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 of, of uh, a skill of uh, a skill people. Yeah, um, respect everyone. Yeah. All of them can give you something new to learn. Uh, be humble. Um, you sometimes learn more from the technician that has been there doing experiments all the time than someone that, you know, might do the design for, you know. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, fill that toolbox. Um, project management. Um, if you don't have, I mean, I would love to have the time to do the coding. Yeah. Um, do what you love. Um, do hobbies as well. Breathe, breathe. Everything has a, 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 the right time. Okay. COVID happened. Well, I hope you'd use that time wisely. And if you didn't have any work, you did some some of your hobbies. Um, mm -hmm. uh, and be persevering if, if uh, I don't know, in my case, materials engineer was my passion, is my passion. So I kept at it. I keep looking for jobs. I keep applying for, for them. And, and well, OK, I, I got a gig of my designs. This is still in science. I also did work uh, again in retail because I wanted to do something. Um, but be perseverant, talk, communicate, don't be afraid of asking. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I, I, I'm not afraid of asking, how do you do this? Can I do that? Um, I know that sometimes it's difficult for introverts. I'm, I sometimes categorize myself in, in between. Sometimes I'm, I'm an introvert, sometimes I'm an extrovert. I know that for introverts, it's more difficult to approach people out and talk. Uh, send an email. Um, maybe it's best to send out, like I did, I send an email to this professor and ask. I just knock the door. Just knock doors. You never know which door will open. Mm -hmm. uh, don't don't give up because oh my god I have a seven year gap in breast milk what am I going to do now? Why? You know you have to be confident that you can do the work that you did, that you have to keep up with the technology. Well, there is a lot. I mean, we've got Google now. Mm -hmm. Just verify the source stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Not everything that you read is true, <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah. That will be my my advice to the younger generation. Just try to fill that toolbox with the skills, social, technical, 
knowledge, mm -hmm. general culture, geography. I mean, you don't know. We are, you might, you might, uh, uh, you might be talking to your future employee, and, and you, by talking about history, geography, you might all be this person. He will say, "This person is." I like it. And you, okay, so you true. didn't need to talk about, I don't know, the brain growth or the oxide growth or the passivation of a stainless You know, you know what I mean? Uh, Absolutely. It's like we are humans before anything else. Yeah, and try then to we connect. Need the connection, exactly the word I was about to say, the connection. And the connection uh, is so important. We are humans. We are not just one number. I remember from a school to university, oh, you are going to be one more number at university. I did feel like one number because it was huge. But, but still, I, I felt the connection with people, you know, mm -hmm. and, and that's how we drive things. Definitely. So. On a, on a final note, then, we spoke about uh, what we wanted to tell yourself, the younger version of yourself, uh, the younger generation. Any any special message for women now that we are in that uh, particular I, series? Yeah, I, I think I want women to be more confident. We can do it. Um, I think. My advantage of dealing with this industry that is really man dominated, it's still man, -dominate, uh, man uh, dominated. I still cannot believe that it's still man dominated. But, um, and I say that because when I was back in Venezuela, the engineering faculty, I felt that it was kind of 50 50, you know? But then suddenly you go to the industry and you're like, where are the women? <laughs> Why mm -hmm. I feel so lonely? And I think one of the things is because of that, we want to start a family and then it's difficult for us to go back. And um, and then of course, we just like, oh no, I can't. No, you can, you can, you can go back. Um, and and like I said, it, it, it was easy for me because I grew up surrounded by men and I knew how they were. I, I knew how boys were talking and being very confident and you're like really there were things like I think you're exaggerating or uh, <laughs> <laughs> and so I felt kind of kind of comfortable or confident to deal with men uh, though sometimes I have to say that at the beginning when I went back I remember being a little bit intimidated because sometimes the, the posture and the body language is mm -hmm. like okay um, in those cases, again, breathe, uh, calm, you know your things, okay? Um, if you don't know anything at the right, at, at the moment, you're just like, you know what, I need to go back to you. Uh, I don't know, I'm my top of, uh, uh, out of the top of my head. Uh, get the posture right. Let's just talk uh, um, and, and don't get intimidated. Um, I don't see people by gender, I just see people by people. And that's the other thing. It's like 
when you give presentation and they teach you just try to present and feel that uh, and see that everybody's naked <laughs> I've never done it <laughs> but that's the advice I've never done it I just see you know same with the when you're in a meeting don't see them like agenda just see them mm -hmm. as people you're another mm -hmm. person the, the thing about women and men and whatever is just not relevant to the work. So, women, we need more women in industry, in, in STEM and in materials. And I have a lovely group from McMaster and, and from Life. That they are wonderful and they are strong, you know, like, uh, yeah. But still, they, 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 they are softy or strong. You know what I mean? It's uh, I absolutely get what you're saying. Yeah. We are resilient. We have to be perseverant. And if one day we are down because it didn't work what we wanted, let's just, you know, get yeah. up again. <laughs> check it off and breathe and yeah, keep going. Yeah, just check it off and breathe, breathe. Mm -hmm. I just keep at it. Don't give up. That's what I said to the girls. Don't get intimidated. Boys um, are boys. Remembering your childhood that boys are boys. <laughs> <laughs> I see that a lot with my girl. I have a boy and a girl. And I can see uh, the difference. It's amazing. So my girl, I, she she's growing up also surrounded by boys. And Teachers, they're not going to <laughs> intimidate me. <laughs> That's beautiful. It's, it's good to, to hear. And um, it's good that you're empowering. Yeah, and, and uh, I, I, I seriously don't see it by gender. I see it by people. Mm -hmm. They are lovely men. They are lovely women. But I don't see them by the gender. I just see them by the person. They are, they are you know, not very nice. Uh, Sometimes you feel that you are kind of um, competing with other women. I'm like, no, 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 no. We are here to help. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. And in doing these kinds of things, it raises awareness on everything that you have just said. Like this interview came out into life because I asked you and because you were kind enough to ask me questions back and then here we are like and uh, the more that we help each other the the stronger like a stronger like we we definitely can do it uh, and but if we have someone that has already gone that path and we can get a hold or, and then ask a question let's do it because yeah. that's that's the meaning of of sharing and then extending the ladder like they said. Yeah, and I'm a firm believer that things happen for a reason, really. And everything will come to your way if you are ready and, and it will come at the right time. I remember that the job that I applied for, I asked my friends, apply. You apply. No, no, this job before you. No, 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 no. I think the right person will get the job. And, and a lot of us apply. I'm not afraid to, to, you know, that sometimes people like, uh, mm -hmm. you know, there is a job that 
telling everyone, no, no, no. I think uh, things will get to you at the right time. And if you didn't get it, something better will come, you know? Um, just don't give up. You never know. You never know. Exactly. I never knew that I was going to be here. It was my dream. Well, thank you so much, Minali. It's been super, super nice time. It, the time flew by. Yes. And, uh, I've got meeting now. <laughs> right. It, it was really, really nice. Thank you very much. And, and thank you to, you know, your organization for allowing um, this to happen. I know it's uh, uh, sometimes we have to. Yeah, it's a great feeling to be as a public servant and help, really. And we are helping uh, the society to, to come with better materials, technology, and, and you know, tackle the challenges that must go ahead with uh, this climate change. So that's a, a beautiful close out. Yeah, thank, thank you, you so much for inviting me. And, and thank you for all of you that have been here. Take care and all the best over there. Thank you so much. Okay. And Bye. see you guys in two weeks. Thank you. Yeah. Bye. Okay. Bye now. Bye-bye.